when you hear voices like that and, and you, you see specials being sung, um, honestly, you receiving or you hearing what, what the Lord's speaking to your heart about is just an addition to us bringing praise and worship to God. Amen. So again, thank you for coming this morning. Please be in prayer, even whilst I preach. Please be in prayer with, uh, with Pastor as he's, as he's preaching this morning and, and some of the men as well of our church that will be representing Southern Baptist Church. So just pray for them that God will do a miraculous way in their life and in those that they actually witness and, and share the gospel to today. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. And I'd like to go through a story with you through the scriptures and point out some, some thoughts that the Lord spoke to my heart about. And we'll begin reading in 1 Kings chapter 21, and we'll just get the context. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1. 1 Kings 21, verse 1. And it came to pass after these, these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Verse 2, 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 2. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give, thee for a better vi- uh, give you for it a better vineyard than it, than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And today, the, the sermon that the Lord's laid upon my heart to preach to you is a sermon entitled, When the Harvest Comes. When the Harvest Comes. And let's pray. Ask God to bless once more. Father, your word is so beautiful. And we believe that every word is pure. And you've given it to us for our learning. And so I pray that this morning, as we delve just right into your word, I ask God that you, you speak to the hearts of your children and into my heart as well. Thank you, God, for the privilege of standing behind this pulpit. Lord, the privilege for those that are sitting in front of me to hear what you, you want them to hear this morning. And I ask that it be pleasing to you and honoring to you. Thank you again for our pastor. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Bless us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, have, has, has anyone ever driven from Sydney all the way up to Brisbane? Put up your hand. Yeah, there's a couple people. It's a couple. It used to be a lot longer than it is now, right? But there's this spot um, every time when I'm driving with my family all the way up to Brisbane, whether we're going to a conference or a holiday, uh, we get to a spot near, I'm not sure if it's in the border somewhere. It's usually that spot where you get so tired, you don't even know where you are. You sort of roll down your window, and um, it doesn't, I don't know, for some reason, my my car does this. Sometimes the smell goes in their car, even though the, the air conditioner is on. And you're driving there, and we drive at night, so, um, so the kids are sleeping, and we're nice and peaceful. It's, it's about a nine-hour drive, so we're, we're driving up, and, and um, there's a certain period of the night where this smell comes through the vents of our car, and it's actually the most beautiful smell you've ever smelled in your life. You say, whoa, what is this thing? We, we pass a plantation of sugar cane. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? There's this, there's this plantation, there's this factory that actually operates really early in the morning. And so when you're driving past there, you can, you can actually smell the sugar cane being processed. And that smog that's coming out is this beautiful, sweet smell. 
when you when you drive past it. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that. If you haven't, you have to try. It's amazing. We actually stopped the car, and this is what happened. I rolled down the window, and I stick my head out of the window. I take a couple of breaths, just remember it, process it in my mind. I'm like, this is good. But you know, one time I was driving back, and the smell stopped. There was no smell. You know what that indicated to me? That indicated to me, church, that that the harvest season was finished. The the time that was was supposed to be scheduled for 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 the 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 cane to be taken up and processed is now over, and that's it's time for it just to rest for a little season. And today we must understand the same thought is that every time in our life we don't always um, experience gleaning. And there's times in our life where we're not going to experience blessings from the Lord, but rather He'll give us trial and temptation and, and hardship. We have to understand this morning that not every day you're going to feel like 100% and you're always happy. And we've seen some great songs today. And there was a song that we sung that, that really just brought joy in my heart. But to be quite honest with you, church, sometimes that's not the case in my life. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and, and opening up the Bible doesn't seem as exciting as it was a week ago. And God brought to my attention, again, working in my heart. And before we ever preach anything to you, church, we have to understand we preach it to ourselves first. And the Lord really spoke to my heart about this passage. And I want to share to you just a little bit of thoughts in regards to this. And if you like writing notes, uh, first point is simply this, the reasonable offer. The reasonable offer. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And just even in the beginning of the, the chapter, we find an introduction of two characters, two legitimate men that lived in history. You're introduced to a man named Naboth. He's a Jezreelite, and he was an owner of a vineyard that was hard-pressed, so he was right next to the palace of this other character that was being introduced, and his name was King Ahab. And church, if you haven't been long, is Ahab a good king or a bad king? Bad king. He wasn't a good king. He did a lot of wickedness. Not only him, but his wife also. We'll learn about her a bit later. The reasonable offer. And Ahab spoke, uh, spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or it seemed good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And at first glance, if someone were to turn to you and say, you know what, I noticed that you have, you have this piece of property and you're taking good care of it and it's right next to my, par- uh, my, my, my palace, it's about location, 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 right? And I like your vineyard and um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a reasonable offer. And that reasonable offer was saying, hey, if you give me your vineyard, I would what? I would give you um, another property. It might not be in the same place, but the same worth of it in another place. That seems reasonable. Not only that, if, 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 you, really don't wanna, if you don't really want another piece of property, what, I, what I'll do for you is I'll actually give you the money that it's actually worth. I'm not trying to rip you off, mate. I'm just trying to give you an option of what you can take. The reasonable offer. 
But what struck me as I read this verse, and I, I, again, like what last week, you read verses like this over and over and over, especially if you have a, a schedule, you read through your Bible once or twice a year, right? And you read these passages and you fail to see what, what God is really speaking to your heart about until it actually happens in your life. And it becomes real. And here we have something that I've never seen before. Let's look in, in verse 2. It says here, give me thy vineyard. What's vineyard, by the way? It's for, for wine, for grapes, yeah? Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a vineyard. Is that what it says? What does it say? A garden of herbs. That's not a big deal, Brother EJ. That's not, that's not a big deal at all. No, I think it is a big deal. Because you need to understand that this place was designated to be a vineyard. And yes, it was depending on Naboth and what he wanted to do with it. But the truth was, it's being used as a vineyard. But here you have King Ahab coming in and saying, I'm going to use it for something different. It was a reasonable offer. And let me just remind you, church, just a little bit. The devil will always come to you with a reasonable offer. He's never gone to anyone before that says, you know what, I, um, I want to take your life and, and I want to I I put you over there in the gutter and you're going to vomit your, your stomach out every night because you're going to be wasted on methylated spirits or terps. No, that, that never happens. See, the devil comes to you and he'll say, you know what, just have, just have a little piece of, a piece of, uh, of the party time. Just try it once. And it almost seems like it's a reasonable offer. But if you take a step back as, as Naboth did, no, 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 this was a vineyard. And you're, now you're changing it to become a garden of herbs. And you have to understand, the devil will always try to change your purpose in life. And in just the first two verses, God changed my, my perspective of some things. Why? Because you have a purpose, Amen. You have a reason why you're here, church. I have a reason why I'm here. And God's given you a perfect will. And he wants you to fulfill that will. But do you know what the Satan's going to do and what the devil's going to do? He's going to try to grab that perfect will of God and say it's reasonable if you just take a little tangent. And it's reasonable just to, just to do this and this and this. Don't worry about that because it's still going to be used but not going to be used the way that God designed it to be. Do you see that? And Ahab, Ahab desired this. Church, this morning, if we're not careful, we'll look at a reasonable offer and take it. As Eve spoke with the devil... He didn't tell them about separation from God. He didn't tell them the, the, the consequences. He told them, hey, you're going to be like God. When, when the devil spoke and tempted Jesus Christ after the 40 days, remember that? He went to Jesus and said, hey, I know you know what's going to happen, but let me give you what is going to happen in the end now. Everyone's going to worship you and bow down to you. 
I'm going to set you up over here, and everyone's going to worship you. This is what's going to happen now if you just do what as I say. And you here you have Jesus Christ. What did he do? Did he submit to that? No, he didn't. He said, no. He resisted the devil. Why? Because the truth was the devil was going to give him something that he will eventually have. But it wasn't the right time yet. The sacrifice had not been made yet. The final atonement, the death on the cross, wasn't there. But this reasonable offer seemed, from a glance, that it's okay. And if you're not careful, church, we'll, we'll make decisions because it's a reasonable offer, not seeing the consequences that might happen. And do you know what this month is all about? It's about stewardship. And, and, and I pray that God will just bless your heart with the things that will be preached this month. And this month's theme is, you know, we've got to be stewards of what we have. And so understand there's a reasonable offer on the table for you. And it could be work. You know, every door that's open doesn't mean it's opened by God. Do you agree to that? That sometimes the devil will open a door for you and you might say, oh, that's the answer to my prayer. But the truth is, it's just, a, it's just a, another round trip in a circle, and you find yourself in the same predicament, and you thought that that would fulfill you just as much as God fulfilled your heart previously. Not, that's not the case, because it was a reasonable offer. Not only that, second point, there was a firm rejection in verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 3. And Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. The firm rejection. You see, Naboth valued the land that he possessed. He valued it to the point where he brought the Lord into this. And he says here in verse 3, The Lord forbid it me. God, God, please don't let me do this and give it to him. He valued the land. The land must have been taken care of. Imagine walking past a piece of property and it wasn't taken care of. Do you think you'd want to buy that? You say, oh, location, 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 right? But the value of something is really shown of how much a person takes care of it. And that's why when on Saturdays we go out and we see people washing their cars, wiping down the windshields, getting down to the tires and making sure they're nice and black because they want that car to be seen as something they care about. That's why we see on Saturday mornings when we go out soul winning and tell people about Jesus Christ, there's people that are mowing their lawns. Why? Because they want to maintain a good appearance. And some people really like their lawns. It's true. Here we have a reasonable offer taken or not taken by Naboth the Jezreelites. Why? Because he saw the value in what he had. And church... God has given you some things that is valuable to you and you alone. Do you understand that? To other people, that, that talent that you have, they might just think that could be used for, for some gain, that it could be used for, for, for ministry in some sense, but to you, it's a beautiful thing that you have and you've cherished it for so long. But then something else comes up. And a reasonable offer comes up and it says, and you sort of look at your, your talent and, your, and the, your prized possession that used to be so important to you, and now you're thinking about bartering it. 
and exchanging it. And I'm not just talking about talents, my friend. I'm talking about what you stand on. Things that used to be important to you are no longer important to you. Why? Because you saw that there was a less value to it than you ever did before. And the thought is, is that Naboth, Naboth had a firm rejection to the reasonable offer. Not only because he brought the Lord into it, not only because the land has been taken care of, but it says this, it was an inheritance. It was an inheritance. Again, like what we discussed previously, you don't get an inheritance until the person passes away. And so this thing was important because it was an inheritance, but notice what it says straight after that, of my, what? What does it say? Fathers. Plural. It was plural. It wasn't just my father, inheritance from my father. No, it was from my father's. Plural. He understood that it was intergenerational, multi-generational. Their fathers shown that from years past and generations past, this property was in our family and I respect it. This is from my father's. No doubt, neighbor thought, as you thought this morning, Ahab's king of everything. He, 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 he has control over armies. He has no doubt bountiful amount of money. He has no doubt uh, the, the properties that everyone would desire to have. He, he has the palaces. He has places where he can store his food. He probably had a refrigerating system back then. <laughs> But the truth is, is, it's sort of like, why would you ask Naboth for what he has when you have so much? And that little green monster comes up again. thing called greed. And that greed comes up and it devalues everything you have in want of someone else's stuff. And we have this in the life of, oh, of Ahab. Is everyone okay this morning? All right. So we're going to go through this. This is the hard stuff, and then after this, we're going to get to the fun stuff, stuff that will help you and learn through this, this process, okay? So we have the reasonable offer. We have a firm rejection, but here we have now the reaction, the ruthless plan. The ruthless plan. Let's look at verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 7. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him exactly the same thing you thought in your mind. Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And see, first it was a reasonable offer, and that rejection was taking place. And, and, and Naboth said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And so Ahab went back to his palace, and you sort of picture this in your mind. I'm not sure if, you, if, if any wives understand ever this situation, but I'm pretty sure my wife understands this sometimes. You, you get home. Oh, you're already home. Amen. Um, and you see your husband. He's a bit sad. He walks around the, the dining hall, and, and lavish food is on the table. And he goes, how dramatic, right? And he goes on his bed. He's soaking. 
I didn't get what I want. And he became this pitiful piece of meat. Why? Because he, he, he didn't understand what was actually affecting him. That he, he got so pitiful with himself that he didn't understand the palace that he was living in. He didn't see the benefits that he had already. He never saw the blessings that was bestowed upon his life. And all he wanted was this little piece of vineyard. And he said, no, I was rejected for it. And so, you know what? I'm just going to be a complete mess and not do anything. Imagine having a king like that. Imagine having a husband like that. Imagine having a leader like that, that has no desire to lead anymore, but mopes around doing nothing. Do you think that would be a strong kingdom? Of course not. And again, the thought is that this plan was just playing out. And you sort of see it. He's there on the bed. And the person that wears the pants in the family turns around and says, Aren't you the, aren't you the ruler of Israel? Get up. And sometimes the wife has to come in and slap the face of the husband just a little bit just to wake him up. Hey, no, no, this is your position. Do you know what it says? I will give thee. I will give thee. And here we have this ruthless plan being put forth. Verse 21, I want you to remember this in your mind. 21, oh, verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 8, it says this. So she wrote letters in whose name? Ahab's name. And sealed them with whose seal? His seal. And sent letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. In verse 9, and she wrote the let, in the letters proclaiming a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king. And then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of his city, even the elders and the nobles who were in the inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them, they proclaimed the fast and set Naboth, set, set Naboth on high among the people. See, this plan was conjured up by this wicked woman. She saw her husband moping around in the bedroom and doesn't want to eat, doesn't want to talk. And only complaining. And so what she does is she, she goes out and she, she, she creates this plan to condemn a holy man. To condemn God's child. When a fast was taking place, it didn't mean that there was something good that was going to happen. Oftentimes when a fast was presented... It meant there was a horrendous crime. There was, a, there was something that, that was so wicked that they needed to be addressed straight away. There was judgment that was going to come. And so when you get a letter that's saying, no, no, today you're going to fast, you adhere to it. Everyone starts thinking, who is it? Who did it? What did they do? What did they say? Who committed the crime? And it's interesting, it says here that they... To, to put Naboth, uh, Naboth on high. To set Naboth on high among the people. It didn't mean that he, he sat with the Pharisees or the Sadducees. No, it didn't mean that he was 
put up in, a, in a great stature. What it meant was that he was put up amongst the people saying, this is the guy. This is the man. And they set him up in the point where you know, everyone knew that it was Naboth that did this wicked thing. It's a crazy story, isn't it? But it's written here for our learning. So you have a righteous man being destroyed for something he never did. Right? And now you have a righteous man being part of this ruthless plan. When it meant to set Naboth on high among the people, it meant that he was accused in the midst of the people. And again, Jezebel was calculated in her plan. She set a fast. She set by the, how many witnesses? By two witnesses, right? She knew what she was doing. And what's interesting, church, is that she goes, the judgment, the thing that he did wrong, where well, he blasphemed God. And church, sometimes the devil will use what you love to accuse you. I'm not sure if you got that. The, the, the devil will sometimes use something so close to your heart, something that you'll never do to accuse you. And in the sight of people, they might say, oh, hmm. Don't know about that. But inside your heart, you know you're right. You know you're, you're trying to keep pure and you're trying to keep do, doing these right things. But the devil will always try to say, hey, well, you're not spending enough time with your family because of ministry. And the devil will say, oh, because, because of work, you're, you're not really being a father. You're, just, you're, just being, you're, you're, you're not even leading your household. And instead of seeing what God has privileged you with, you might, under, you might start listening to the wrong Reasonable offers that the devil's giving you. Here you have people condemning Naboth for something he would never do. Why? Because later on in the next chapter, we find that Naboth was a righteous man. He was God's child. And the thought is, is that this, this took place. This took place as a ruthless plan. A ruthless plan. Fourthly, the evil retaliation. And this is what happened. Verse 13. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 13. says this, And there came, came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God. And the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Verse 14. Then they sent to who? And they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. Later on, we find that Naboth had sons that were murdered too. Because, see, even though his lineage, even though Naboth was dead, there was still lineage to take over that vineyard. And so they killed his sons too, by the way. You notice that. What's interesting that when the deed was done, how, um, if, if you go back to, to verse 8, she, it says, So she wrote letters in whose name? 
Ahab's name. And she sealed it with his seal and sent letters unto the elders and to the nobles. But in verse, in verse 14, it says here, Then they sent to who first? Jezebel. They knew who had the power. They knew who set this up. And it wasn't Ahab. It was Jezebel. And so the thought is, is that it came to pass in verse 15. That's all this evil retaliation has now finished. Here you have Jezebel approaching King Ahab. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said, unto, uh, said to Ahab, Arise and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which re he refused to give thee for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. In verse 16, And it came to pass, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Everything turned out the way Ahab wanted it. Jezebel's plan was right on the money. It seems like everything was lost. It seemed like everything was conquered by evil. But church, let me remind you, when the harvest comes, God will judge. Galatians 6, 7. Let's turn there. Galatians 6, 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, let's say this together, church, that shall he also, what? Reap. That shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let me remind you, and even though it seemed detrimental at the time, even though the circumstances seemed like evil prevailed, both these men planted and sowed one to corruption and the other life eternal. And let me tell you, church, that there's victory even beyond failure. Amen? There's victory beyond failure. Why? Because the things that were done in the past were you sowing things. And you might not see the, the benefits in your life yet. You might not see how good it is for you. But you have sown them. And one day when the harvest comes, you're going to reap them. And so for the faithful person, I'd like to encourage you. Keep on going. Don't use that talent for anybody else but God. For that individual that's in university right now, glorify God with your learning. For that person that's struggling in ministry or struggling at work, keep on fighting for you, for, for him and for your family. And make sure you try to do everything you can to glorify God with what you do and what you say. 
to the person that was going to give up on church. Don't give up. Why? Because when the harvest comes, my friend, all the labor that you did will one day come forth. Amen. So you keep on. And so the thought is this. God did have his retribution. Number five. So we had, firstly, the reasonable offer. Secondly, the firm rejection. Thirdly, the ruthless plan. Fourth, the evil retaliation. And fifthly, God's retribution in verse 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he is gone down to possess it. Whither he is gone down to possess it. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 19, it says this, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And, hast thou, uh, and, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And Ahab said, in verse 20, 1 Kings 21, 20, And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. In a duration Duration of time went past. And no doubt Ahab, as you read the rest of the chapter, he seemed that he repented, got right. God still kept his promise, though. And every time a, a, a dog barked, I'm sure in the back of his mind was thinking, is that the one that will be licking my blood? See, the judgment wasn't just passed on Ahab, it was, it was passed also on, on Jezebel. And you have to understand, again, God is not mocked. And the reason why he's not mocked is because he knows. And for the faithful Christian, that should be an encouragement to you. And for the faithful Christian that is doing what you're supposed to do, and reading the Word and growing up in nurture and admonition of the Lord, like what that we're supposed to do as we were once babes, now we're growing up. We become mature. That should encourage you. But the ones that are not should be fearful for you. Because God's not mocked. And the things that were done previously caught up to them. See, Ahab went to war with Jehoshaphat. In verse 37, 1 Kings chapter 22. Verse 37, we see the end result of King Ahab. First Kings, chapter 22, verse 37. This is talking about Ahab. So the king died. And was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. 
and one wa- and one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spake. God is not mocked, amen? We have a righteous God. And you see this, it almost seemed like evil got its way. No, it didn't. Judgment came. And here we have again Jehoram, the son of Ahab in 2 Kings. For the sake of time, what we'll do is, you, you can read that later on. Note this down. Um, 2 Kings 3, 1. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And so because of what Ahab repented of, God said, you know what, I'm not going to do it to him. I'm actually going to do it to his son. And this is what happened to Ahab's son. In 2 Kings chapter 9, 24, it says, And Jehu drew a bow with his full strength and smote Jehoram between his arms. And the arrow went, through, uh, went out at his heart and sunk down in his chariot. Then said Jehu to Bidkar, his captain, Take up and cast him in the portion of field of who? Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember how that when I and I rode together after Ahab his father, the Lord laid his burden upon him. So the punishment went from Ahab to his son, Jehoram. It says this in verse 26, Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons. And I underline that. And the blood of his sons, saith the Lord. And I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him to the plat of ground according to the word of the Lord. So we talked a lot today about a reasonable offer. How God, how, how the devil will come and say, hey, this job opportunity for you, you focusing on this, this is, where God, this is, this is what I want you to do. I know God wants you to do something a bit better than that. I know God wants you to do ministry once more. I know, I know that you've taken a break a little while, but now it's time to get back on the saddle and work for, for God. I know that he told you that, but this thing here, it's important too. It's a reasonable offer. To the teenager, I know that your desire is to be this and this, and, and God showed you that you're going to be a preacher one day or a missionary one day. And I know that God wants you to be faithful at school. But I'm going to show you a friend. He's a nice guy. She's a nice girl. And she's good in her studies. It was a reasonable offer. No, no. What we need is a, we need a firm rejection. Just like Naboth did. Say, God, I know the devil's giving me opportunities. And I know the devil's working here and there. And it seems like it's reasonable. But I'm just going to stay faithful. And whatever happens, I'll just do it. Even if it means, even if it means, I may lose my life. That's a scary thought. I think about that a lot, actually. Because here in Australia, we're sweet. No one comes around and tries to chop your head off because you're a Christian. But there's places around the world that need to hear about Jesus Christ. And if you speak up, that's what's exactly what's going to happen. But you know what? They need Jesus too. And God's going to send someone out. God's going to send someone out. And I wonder if that person's you. I wonder if that person's me. Will we be willing to go? 
And the thought is, is that there needs to be a firm rejection to whatever Satan, Satan does. But we have to understand that the ruthless plan is calculated and strategic. The devil's been doing this a long time. He's taken a lot of greater men than us. So we need to bring up our guard. We need to be preemptive in the strike. Amen? There's an evil retaliation. But the truth is, is God's retribution. And so, knowing that introduction of the sermon, let's turn back to Galatians 6. So we read verse 7 and 8. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read verse 9. It says this, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap what? If we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And here we have, in this context of Galatians chapter 6, is that he's, he's trying to encourage the brethren to help each other, to be encouragement to each other. And so he shows them first that, hey, the harvest is coming. It's not just for the negative side. The harvest is coming for the positive side too. And we will reap, church, every single time you prayed for your child, every single time you invested in sharing the Bible or giving them some word, that's investment. You're, you're, you're planting and you don't know how big your harvest will be until it comes. So stay faithful, church. And God spoke to my heart and said, you know what, EJ, you've got to stay faithful. Knowing that God will one day, will one day reward his children. It's the same thought as those that he will judge. And the things that you have to go through, the struggles that you face, understand that it's just for a moment. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Amen? So that's, I, I don't know, that was my point of stewardship. You've got to value what you have. Maybe this afternoon, take some time to value what God's given you instead of complaining about it. Maybe start valuing what God's giving you here at this church instead of being a critic about it. And maybe start, start loving instead of whispering. And you might see that this church is, is full of sinners saved by grace. Amen? Because we're all sinners saved by the blood of Jesus. And to those that are not saved today, you say, I don't, I don't even know what you're saying because honestly... I have no clue of who God is. Maybe today you need to understand one thing. A judgment is upon you. Judgment is upon all of us. 
those that do not hear the gospel. That should energize you, by the way, Christian. That should not fear you. Or you shouldn't get upset about it. It should excite you. Because with fear, some men pull people out of the fire. Isn't that what it says in Jude? With fear. Not them fearing. No, it's you fearing for them. Knowing that God cares for us, how do we respond? Because harvest is coming. And what you sow, you'll reap. Whether that be good or bad. Amen? So, so good. Don't sow to corruption. So good. Make that decision. Let's pray. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, please. Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I, I know that this morning it almost, I don't know, it seemed very heavy. Well, Father, someone needed to hear it. And so I pray that, Lord, you help us as a church, as your children, to grasp these truths learned from the life of Naboth and from the life of Ahab and see which side we take. I pray, Father God, that you help us. Again, just evaluate ourselves. So that, God, you, you can bring more fruit from our life. As a piano plays, no one's looking around at the moment. I want to ask you a question. And firstly, I'd like to talk to, to those that are not saved. If you don't know if you're going to heaven... My friend, there's a, there's a problem that we all face, and that problem is sin. And sin separates us from God. And let me tell you, religion doesn't take away your sin. Saying a couple words doesn't take away your sin. Being a good person doesn't take away your sin. What takes away your sin is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took your sin and He died on the cross as a punishment for you. That if you receive Him by faith, your sins will be cleansed and forgiven. And so to the person that's not a Christian this morning, or maybe to the person that's pretending to be, maybe today it's the time for you to get saved. Maybe today is for you to decide, yes, I'm ready to to receive Jesus as my Savior. If that's you this morning, would you raise up your hand? No one's looking around. It's just you, me, and God. If that's you this morning, would you be honest enough to say that? I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Can someone show me? Amen. Pray that's the case. Christian, the harvest is coming. You say, is there anyone here that will say, Brother EJ, I've, I've, I've thought about taking the reasonable offer given to me. And I know it's not of God, but I, I've considered it. But I'm deciding today not to. Is there anyone here that says that? I see that hand over there. Is anybody else? I see that hand. 
Praise the Lord. I see that hand there. Just being honest, just be, between me and you and God, just, there's nobody else here looking. I want to live for God. I don't want to take that reasonable offer. I want, to, I want the perfect offer from God. So take it. Church, is there anyone here that says, you know what? Uh, God spoke to my heart about some, something completely different than what was so, talked about today, but I want to just get right with Him. Is there anyone here today that says that? Yes, I see that hand in the back. See those hands there? I see that hand there. I see that hand there. So let's get right. Again, church, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go down to the altar. No, you bow down towards your God and get right with Him. The time is now, not later. Get it done. Harvest is coming. You won't be able to blame someone else for what comes out of your harvest. Let's pray. Father, again, we um, thank you, Lord, for the scriptures, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to evaluate. And I know some people are finding it difficult this morning because they know it's something in their life. Father, I thank you, Lord, for working my heart about it. And, Lord, the decisions I've made these past few weeks, Lord, as I study. I pray, God, that you again help these that raise their hand to continue to follow you, to Make a sincere decision, Father God. To stand firm on what they know is true and what they know is right. God, I ask that you give them that extra peace, that, that wisdom, how to deal with those people that may be an influence, that may be leading them astray. I, I ask, God, that you just do something great in their life. And for everyone else, Father God, that I heard your word this morning. I ask that you bless them. Then you help all of us, Father God, to continue to grow for you, to continue to bear fruit for you. So that, Father God, one day when we see you face to face, we'll cast all the things that we've done before your feet to give you honor and praise. Father, because you're worthy. You're worthy of our time and our talents. I pray, Lord, that you help us to really believe that and apply it. We thank you again for today and for your word. I ask that you bless each and every one this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.